Good morning. As I welcome you here today, let me give you a few announcements. First of all, no confirmation class today or on Easter Sunday. Administrative Council meets today, though, at 4. Holy Thursday Communion is coming up at 7 this Thursday here in the sanctuary. This coming uh, Saturday, the Easter egg hunt at 2.30, it begins in the Family Life Center. Are you, Katie, are you going to come give that? Okay, Katie wants to give us an update on our big uh, fundraiser for Lent uh, to um, help and assist Ellen. Good morning. Paige and I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your support of the Ellen Project. Because of the support of this church, we raised enough money at Ellen's birthday bash to support her until she is 18 and able to work and support herself. So we are thrilled. Our grand total will be printed in the bulletin this week, but we raised over $5,200. So thank you, and we are thrilled. Uh, We've had some questions about contacting Ellen, and at this time, we have so many letters that we have to get in the proper format and send to her um, under Compassion's guidelines that we're not taking any more letters at this time. So we'll keep you updated as we kind of get caught up on what we have to send her so far, but um, just look for updates in the bulletin about that, and again, thank you. And I just want to add once more how much we appreciate what Katie and Paige did and all y'all's effort. Uh, like I said one Sunday already, uh, when I heard the news this week that we had obtained our goal and, you know, that little girl's life changed forever on that Friday night when we had that thing. And she didn't know it yet, and, uh, but it has, and due to your generosity. And I thank you very much, and I know the Lord will bless it. Okay, let's begin our worship together.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray together. Almighty God, on this day, your Son, Jesus Christ, entered the holy city of Jerusalem and was proclaimed king by those who spread their garments and palm branches along his way. Let those branches be for us signs of his victory and grant that we who bear them in his name may ever hail him as our Lord and follow him in the way that leads to eternal life. In his name we pray. Amen.
let us affirm our faith. I believe in God and the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Let our children come forth for the children's time. Y'all did a great job doing the palm parade. Wasn't that fun? Come on, Cam. Go sit with us. I brought something, and I wondered if you could tell what it is. I made these, so it's not real good. Can you tell what I was trying to make? A crown. Good. Okay. Do you use crowns for anything at school or at home? Do you ever wear a crown? Not really? No, we don't use them a lot. Sometimes... I thought y'all might use them at school if you're like student of the day or student of the week, but earlier this morning they said no. Okay, so sometimes you have used them at school. Good. Well, the crowns kind of remind me of something that took place in the city of Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago. A king was visiting the city. People lined the streets just for, hoping for a chance to see the king. And the king came riding in on what? A donkey, right. So he rode through the streets of the city, and the people spread their cloaks or their jackets on the streets for him to ride over. They waved palm branches, and they shouted something. Do you know what they shouted to the king as he rode through? They shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So I'm sure you know now what king I'm talking about. Who was the king? Jesus, right. And today is when we remember the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and how the people cheered him on and waved palm branches. And they greeted Jesus as their king. But the only problem was it didn't last. He was kind of only their king for a day. Later that same week, Jesus was arrested, beaten, tried, and crucified. 
And many of the same people who had cheered for him on that Sunday turned against him at the end of the week. And now he wore a crown again, but it wasn't a good crown. Do you know what that crown was made of, Sarah? Yeah, it was a crown of thorns. So the Bible tells us that one day every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But the question is, why wait? And we don't have to wait. We can give our heart and life to Jesus now and receive the forgiveness that he offers. Because Jesus wants to be the ruler and Lord of our life. He doesn't just want to be king for a day, does he? No, he wants to be king forever and always. So I'm going to let you take one of these crowns home, and they may not fit too good, but they can still be a reminder of today's lesson. So let's pray first, and then I'll let you dig through the bag and pick out a crown, okay? Will you repeat our prayer after me? Dear Jesus, we adore you. We crown you as our Lord and King. We give our lives in service to you. And not just today, but for always. Amen. The first scripture lesson is from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Your attitude shall be the same as that of, G of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
as we enter into our time of prayer, I would like for you to remember uh, the family of Sandra Thomas. Sandra was, is Brenda's sister. She passed away Saturday um, unexpectedly. And so if you'd remember my wife in your prayers and that family this week, I would appreciate it very much. Let us uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Let us bow our heads. Oh Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Almighty God, you, you sent your Son to be our King, yes. And, he, and who, who has come in your name to bring peace between heaven and earth. And so we join the voices of old and all those voices around the world today who celebrate this Palm Passion Sunday and singing hosannas as our canticle of praise. You have called us to be a chosen people, and but we must confess we've been unfaithful in following your ways. What we say with our lips is not often matched by our deeds. We often deny you, O Lord, by failing to accept the new way of life which you came to give to us. So, O Lord, this day we pray that you'd have mercy upon us, that you'd be merciful to us and forgive our sin and wash away our iniquity and renew by the power of your Holy Spirit this day uh, our, our spirits and our faith so that when we leave this place we'll be inspired by that great and wonderful gift of salvation that we're reminded of again this day. And we might be able to call the world to come and gather at your feet. It is by the holy blood of Jesus that was shed for us, that saved us and washed away our suffering and sin and allowed us a, ch a way to accept and have eternal life. It is that same blood of Jesus that washes away all suffering. And so this day we pray, O oh Lord, for those um, that we have named with our voices, in our prayer list, and in our hearts now. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd restore them to well-being. Let them proclaim your greatness. Help us, O oh Lord, to accept your good and perfect will in whatever form that it takes. We pray, O oh Lord, that you receive these things that we ask and grant them, not for us, but for the sake of Jesus Christ, who gave himself to the world. And in his name that we pray, as he taught, saying these words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward as we receive our tithes and our offerings.
Oh! <laughs> 
Before I begin, let me just uh, say a word of thanks, Lauren, for that uh, solo. The first time I ever heard that song, we were in a tour bus coming and we crested the hill. And as you crested the hill, you could see the city of Jerusalem is all lit up and that song was playing. And I have never forgotten that. And it just kind of stirred some emotions in me when I heard you singing it. And I appreciate it very much, that song. 
Well, last week we saw that Jesus had a physical and also a spiritual hunger or thirst because of the forsakenness that he had felt on the cross. And he experienced that so that we wouldn't have to. And so we come to this sixth statement on the cross, and it is recorded for us in John's Gospel. And I will point out to you that every Gospel writer had a little different take on what was said. They all had to write later in life. Luke is where we go to Thursday night to finish up. And Luke has one last word recorded uh, after he had this word. So I'm at, I'm at the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 19, uh, verse 29 through 30. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, help us this Palm Passion Sunday to understand how important it was for all this to happen. And even though we're Easter people and we much prefer to celebrate all the time the wonderful salvation that we have, we must not bypass between Palm Sunday and Easter the passion that you poured out for us. We pray in your name. Amen. For those of you who are students of Greek, you will know that it is finished is an English translation of one single word. One single Greek word. And we translated it to it is finished. This single Greek word was actually a common word uh, used by the merchant classes at the time to mean that the price was paid in full. It's marked on a bill of sale, paid in full. This word we translate, it is finished. It is simply finished. And servants also at the time used the word to report to their masters that their work was completed, done, finished. So it was a common phrase in the culture of the time. So what does it mean in, to us when Jesus said this one common Greek word, finished? Well, I think that there's at least three lessons we can take from it today that we can apply to our own lives. And the first one, I think, is this. I believe that we must realize that this is not a statement of defeat. Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, finished. It's a word that says the task is completed. It's a statement of victory. Jesus had taken on the role of a servant. It's described in the first reading from Philippians. And he came and he completed the task that he had been called to do. He was obedient to the task. And so this accomplishment, this finished, has wonderful benefits to us and all the generations that will come after us. But I'm often, I've often thought, what would have happened if Jesus hadn't been obedient? Jesus was tempted in every way as we are. The Scripture tells us, what if He gave in to the temptation not to fulfill His mission? 
What if at the age of 18, for example, what if he just went off into the world to do a different thing? Or what if in the Garden of Gethsemane, when at age 33, when the night before, the night that he was arrested, what if he had decided after he didn't hear a response from his prayer, take this cup from me, what if he had hightailed it out of town? You couldn't have blamed him. He was tempted just as we are, not to finish the task. So the first lesson, I think, comes from this. Victory for our Lord and victory for us does not come in the starting. Victory comes through the finishing. Victory comes through the finishing. It was only when Christ went all the way through His life to the cross, fulfilling prophecy along the way, taking every bit of physical and spiritual pain that was due to us, and dying on the cross for our sins that made His task complete, finished. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I know it would have been taught in Sunday school. It might have been taught sometime during one of your Bible studies or in your Sunday school classes. But if you remember during the ministry of Jesus, there was a point in time when the disciples were very concerned about Jesus' health. Uh, it's recorded in John 4 uh, where they come to Jesus and they say, we're concerned because you're not sleeping enough, you're not eating enough, you need some food. Uh, you, spent, you know, he spent all his time preaching and teaching and healing people. Uh, long hours, and they were concerned. And Jesus replied to them, as recorded in John 4, 34, that my food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish the work. Finished. And so it seems to me like ever so often we need to ask ourselves in our own lives whether or not we're driven to finish in faith our journey here on earth. It's the finishing in faith that's important, I think, for us as believers. Now we must all admit that every so often we start out strong in our faith and then for whatever reason it wanes. It, it, we kind of fall away and, and we lose our focus. And it's in those times when we're in most danger of losing, I believe, our victory. Because we have to understand that the victory comes in keeping the faith, in finishing the race, in, in finishing the faith. There's where our victory comes. The Apostle Paul, earlier in Philippians chapter 1, said this uh, as advice to that church that I think is good advice for us all. He said that you need to be confident of one thing, that the one who began this work will bring it to completion. You see, we may feel incomplete. We may feel a failure. We might lose our focus. But God promises us that He will finish the race. He will, what He starts, He will finish. So He will finish the race all we have to do is keep on keeping on. The Lord is going to be with us to the end. I don't know about you, but when I, in my first career, whenever I finished a great task, uh, I was always very joyful from completing that task. 
And now, in this second career for the last 20 years, I have the joy of a spiritual fulfillment when I see a task completed, when I see something happen. It, it feels spiritual. The, the night that we were there at the Ellen's birthday thing, I, there, I found myself there towards the end at a table all by myself. Everybody, all my partners and Eaton had left. You know, they moved on. And I was there all by myself, and it just, all of a sudden, it's like I almost had an out-of-body experience. It's like I was just there, and I was just watching everybody. You know, the murmur, the joy, the excitement that was going on. And it was a spiritual fulfillment. I knew, I knew that day in my heart, this little girl's life had been changed. I knew we were going to be successful in, in that endeavor. You know... When we let God work through us, He will bring our plans and our purposes to His plans and purposes and will bring them to fruition. So that's the first lesson, I think, is remember that the victory comes in the finishing and finishing strong. The second lesson, I think, is this. We really cannot do anything else except our salvation. Our salvation has been earned. It has been paid in full. It is finished, as the Lord said. We, Christ, out of His deep love for us, gave us this gift. This gift must be accepted. It must be believed and accepted. That's our task it's not that hard, really. It's pretty simple. But if you believe and accept something, you know what? Your life changes. You become a different person. And you go about doing things differently. In the back of your mind, no matter what you trip, she might seem to be tripping you up, you know that the Lord is with you. And you know that the Lord's going to help you bring it to completion. The price of salvation is an expensive gift for us. But we don't have to pay it. All we have to do is to believe it and accept it. It's to trust God. Accept this gift and be obedient and live your life that way. It's that simple. Live your life as if you believe what you believe. It's that simple. You know, all too often we try to, to conjure up some way of fixing whatever the problem might be instead of just letting God work. Instead of just being patient and letting God work. I run across a story when I was working on this sermon. And it was a, it's a story from the 1800s, early 1800s. At that time, there, Napoleon was emperor of France. And he ended up conquering almost in all of Europe before he was defeated. And there's a story about some citizens, and it's a true story, citizens in a little town called Feldkirk, Austria. It seems that Napoleon's army had advanced to within their city gates and was preparing to attack. And word had went out to the Austrian army that they were under attack, but the Austrian army wasn't there. And this happened to be Easter Sunday. 
And the people had gathered in the church as they always do for Easter Sunday, but they were really there trying to figure out what to do next. It was like they were having one big church meeting about what are we going to do about the enemy at the gates. And the story says that the minister rose and after lots of discussion amongst the congregation as to what they should do, and the minister rose and said, friends, we must remember that today is the day of our Lord's resurrection. So let's just ring the bells like we always do, always do announcing that our services have begun and leave the matter into God's hand. I have lived in several communities where the church bells, you know, rang on Sundays right uh, at the time of uh, the service was supposed to start. I'm going to digress just for a moment here and there. One town I lived in, we rang, they rang, all the churches were like close together and they all started ringing and actually it was, it was such a loud noise. That some people complained <laughs> because, you know, those are the people who are still sleeping on Sundays and not coming to church. <laughs> to the point where we actually had to tone down the bells and, everybody, and we had to kind of stagger the bells. So I think the Baptist church went at 9 o'clock or something, one went at 10, one went at 11. Anyway, the point is that was not unusual back in the 1800s. It's still not that unusual in the United States, at least up until the 50s and the 60s. Just ring the bells. Everybody knows the service is getting ready to begin. So the people agreed, and the church bells began to ring. Well, what do you think happened? You know, don't you? The enemy camped outside the city, heard the ringing of the bells, and they concluded that the Austrian army must have made it there to protect the city, and they began to break camp and left leaving the citizens of Feldkirk, Austria, safe and sound. Friends, sometimes we just need to stop trying to do things for ourselves and, try, and trying to save ourselves and trying to work out all the situations that we find ourselves in and just realize that most of the time our efforts are going to be useless. We just need to rely upon the Lord. We need to trust and be obedient and have faith. Christ did for us what we could not do. And if we accept that gift, we have the promise of eternity in heaven with our Lord. Last lesson's this. It is finished. Finished not only is what Christ did for us at the cross. It's not, it's not just the victory and the finishing. And it's not just our earning of salvation. It also describes the fate of our enemy. When Christ said finished, the plan of salvation was complete. The, the devil thought he had won that day. You know why? Because the devil thought that the Son of God was dead forever. But on that Easter morning, Satan was destroyed. Jesus came into the world to repair the break that had occurred between humankind and God 
from the sin that was brought into the world by Satan. This sin separated us from God. But our enemy, because of what Christ did, has been knelt, has been dealt a knockout blow. How many of you ever watched a boxing match? And have you ever seen where every so often somebody gets hit really, really hard and they stumble around and it looks like they're still in it and then all of a sudden, wham, they fall down. That's what we have been suffering for in this day, this two days. Remember with the Lord, it's like a thousand years is like a day. So it's been two days in the, to the Lord that we've been suffering from Satan who is a beaten animal. It's like a wild animal who's thrashing around. It's like a wild, it's like a snake. Have you ever, any of you ever killed a snake or tried, thought you killed a snake and his head's still flopping around? If you get too close, it can still get you, right? That's, Satan knows his time is short. And he stumbles around in great anger today because his end is near. We need to remember this. We need to know that when Christ brought us back together and repaired that relationship, that bridge and enables us once more to commune with the Father, freed us from the grip of Satan. Satan no longer has the grip on us. We shouldn't live in fear of the devil. His power over us has been destroyed. And yet some of us still allow the devil to torment us and make us feel like we're anything but victorious. That's because the devil still it's got the ability to tempt you. But when he does tempt you, you need to remember that as a child of God, he has no real power over you. You remember in the hymn where it says, one little word shall flail, flail, uh, flail him? When I was growing up and I was a kid, I used to, the devil used to come out of me and I can remember my grandmother, Pond, she used to, she would look at me and she'd say, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> She, that one little word, she knew she could compel Satan away from her grandson. Remember this. It is finished for the devil. It is finished. So, to conclude, look, victory doesn't come into starting, it comes into finishing. The work of salvation has been, been complete. There's nothing else that needs to be done. We just need to accept it and live as new people. It's paid in full. And then we just need to remember, I think, one more time, that yeah, Satan roams around and tries to devour those that are weak in the faith. But his power is finished. He's a defeated foe. And one day, as the scripture said, Every knee shall bow. Everybody, everyone shall confess Christ as Lord. And the devil at that time will be thrown into eternal hell forever and ever. Thursday night, Holy Communion, Last Supper Communion, we will look at the last phrase, which is, Father, I commit my spirit. And, uh, and, then, and then a series will be over. I hope that you can find time to come out and, and celebrate communion Thursday night. The next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Bring a friend, bring a lot of folks as we celebrate 
our wonderful salvation that we have as chosen and saved people. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may they be yours this day and each day forever. Amen.